So this week on Team Futurism, we are going to be discussing the uh, the great cultural divide between <laughs> urban and rural folks in America. And I think that this is pertinent to, you know, the general topic of futurism that we do like to kind of like hang on to just because like, I don't know, like small towns are a part of America, too, and, and they're a part of uh the, the, the whole thing that we're trying to like push forward with uh, modern society, you know, that they are part of modern society. Um, and they consider themselves part of modern society, curiously enough. I've, you know, a, a, yeah. having come from a small town, several small towns myself, I always, I never thought like, oh, I live in a small town, so I'm not part of the modern age. You know what I mean? I always uh -huh. had the latest shit. I played, you know, Mario Kart sure. Donkey Kong when I was a kid on the right. N64. <laughs> uh, you, you know, I I had whatever whatever was was happening technology wise or right. whatever. Right? I, yeah. I was it was part of my life. Granted, 12 years old or whatever. But there's there's this real divide where like people who live in small towns are like 10 years behind us culturally at, at some level right um yeah. that's what i kind of want to talk about today <laughs> right? maybe they live, like are living in the 1950s at some level but i want to i want to talk about this today because you just got back from living in montana the last few months you True. are now back in ultra hip ultra modern berkeley california yeah, yeah. <laughs> smell that you smell that it's Literally on the video, serious. I totally don't smell it, but I know it, man. That that Pacific Ocean breeze. Dude, the ground is the ground is wet with liberal tears here. The liberal tears just soaking in. They just kind of pile up on your pores. Dude, I use them to moisturize my face when I'm here in California, man. That's why you're so beautiful. I can, yeah, it's glowing, man. Yeah, bro. Hey, so so give us a little a little insight into like you know why you were in montana for one because it's interesting and two i want to get into like the people you met you know and their thoughts okay. and <laughs> their, okay. and all of that all, all of that so what, what were you doing up in montana at the last uh what three months long time yeah yeah oh four months actually four this months time. yeah so um i helped my mom start a, a business about four years ago uh, doing herbal teas, which I never thought would take off in the heartland of America because it's definitely like, it feels like it's been branded as like a hippie experiment, like a pseudo health hippie experiment. But I just was sending my mom like nice teas to try to get her, you know, into a more healthful, uh, physical situation for herself. And then she ended up uh, she was like, all oh, my friends love these, you know, can you send me more? And I was like, how much do they love them? You know, like, <laughs> how many people love them? <laughs> I was like enough that you might be able to, I don't know, charge them. She's like, yeah, sure. So, you know, it took about a year, start, helped her start that business up, got everything, helped her get everything up and running off the ground. It kind of took off. Did she have is, a brick and mortar at that point? No, it was just out of her home. She was just packing mm -hmm. and selling teas out of her home. And, uh, yeah, it kind of tripped me out how much people latched onto it, but it's crazy. Cause like, you know, herbal medicine, it works, especially if you've never had it before, you know, it's like you, you some, something usually, you know, you can, you can feel it affecting you at least most of the time. Anyways, uh, that business was doing really well. So she got the opportunity to get a storefront on main street in this little town called Ennis, Ennis, Montana. And, um, 
I am a carpenter, so I went out there and I built out the inside of that business for her. And I kind of helped her also get her business off the ground, get her, you know, get her suppliers, blah, 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 right? So I was out there the first time for a couple of months, uh, maybe like three months helping her build her spot. Then the place that she has is three units. So two of them were empty and the rent was cheap. And I, uh, I my hustler brain was just like <laughs> a little fucking rat on a wheel, dude. Just like... <laughs> You know, like cheap rent, like start a business. (laughs) And so we hatched a plot to uh, start a waffle and coffee shop because we already had an espresso machine that was given to us with the place. Um, My mom wasn't using it. I I had to do like a bunch. I'd basically rebuild it, but whatever. And so we found these. Oh, man, this is going to be a dark tale. uh, (laughs) We found this waffle machine. And it was, it made waffles, but they're waffles on a stick. Okay. Bookmark that, because that's going to, we're going to come back around to that. <laughs> a, little, a little foreshadowing. Uh, and so we went out there, Karen and I, my partner and I, we built out a coffee and waffle shop on the inside. Ran it for about a month. We ran into a bunch of problems. This was last year. Ran into a bunch of problems with code with code in the building. We had to do a bunch of construction, had to get permits for stuff, had to get people. People move a little slow out there. Some people are real unreliable. Some people are reliable, but there's a couple of really unreliable contractors out there. We happen to get them. <laughs> it took us a while. We didn't get off. P.S. You don't fucking need to pass a test to be a contractor in Montana. You just pay a fee. So. Oh, you know interesting. Yeah, Ooh, there's no test. Okay. All right. <laughs> <It's a fucking laughs> Uh, a little too libertarian on that one for me, but, um, uh, so we ran it for about a month, made a couple grand, nothing really much, a lot of blood, sweat and tears. We came back this year and we, we had the full year to run the joint. Um, but we just, it didn't do well. And part of it was the flooding in Yellowstone. Part of it was (laughs) the weather there. A huge part of it was gas prices because most people that are making it that far North are driving from multiple States over. So it didn't really do that well. But then, man, the thing that really drove me fucking nuts was that it was all boomers. The only Mm. people that could afford to travel this year were boomers because they got like, you know, like savings or like they're retired or whatever, you know, like they're still going to take their like yearly trip. So it was like middle, like middle to upper income boomers were the only people that were traveling. And let me just tell you the concept of a waffle on a stick is so fucking mind bending to people <laughs> over 60. <laughs> dude. It's like handing them a Rubik's cube from space. Dude. Did you have like, to like explain it? Like, <laughs> yes. so many times every day. And it's crazy because like every time somebody asks me, cause we get, there's a lot of like performative masculinity out there. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So you get the old, so what uh what's a what's a waffle on a stick? Right. <laughs> you know what I'm and I'm just thinking I'm like, bro, there's zero ways for me to explain this to you where I don't sound like an asshole and you don't feel stupid. Right. Like try to walk them through it a little bit more, but there isn't. There's two yeah. steps. It's a fucking waffle on a stick, you know right. what I'm saying? 
which drove me insane, man. It drove me absolutely insane. And then we had like a focus too with the restaurant. Like for me, like I won't serve people food that I won't eat. And I make sure that everything that I eat, I know where it comes from. People don't really fucking care about that there. Tourists might care about that, but the people there don't really give a shit about that. They want food that they can recognize and mm. is delicious and is cheap. All three. If two mm-hmm. of the three are there, it doesn't matter. You know what I'm saying? So we had these waffles and they were like seven bucks, six, seven bucks for a, for a waffle, but you made it fresh. The batter's fresh every day, cooked it up fresh for you, came with real maple syrup, warm melted butter, pastured butter, pastured eggs, you know, all that shit. Everything was like organic that it could have been. Everything that was in the food came from Montana for the most part, maybe with the exception of one thing. And, uh, yeah, man. I mean, it was a trip. You know, it was very interesting being in the service industry again. I hadn't been in the service industry for more than 10 years. And uh, dealing with people is interesting. You get a good, although to the point, to, to bring us back around to a point, um, the being in the service industry in a place like that gives you a really, really broad cross-section of people. Because Mm -hmm. it's not like a denominational food. You know what I'm saying? Like coffee is a very like everybody drinks coffee. We had smoothies, coffee and waffles. And then at the end, we had tacos. We we fucking abandoned the waffle shop. I'm never making another waffle as long as I live. Oh, my God. I also wanted to try one. So I guess I won't get the chance. (laughs) Never, never, bro. (laughs) But uh, we, we closed the waffle shop down and we started a taco stand, which fucking slayed. Which slayed because obviously... Uh, you know, I don't know. I think the the waffles on a stick were just like too phallic, <laughs> you know what I mean, or something like that. Like it was just too fucking gay for like, you know, like some construction dude to roll up, you know, in the morning before work or afterwards or something like that. But the fucking tacos, I'm out there grilling meat, dude. It's like Heartland of America. Dude, just quenching the meat thirst, you know what I'm right. saying? Right. So right. tacos went really good, and people were much nicer about the tacos. You know, I thought we were gonna deal with here, here's here's a here's an interesting anecdote, people wise. I thought we were gonna deal with at least some racism, because mm-hmm. they're because my partner is full Mexican. She's 100% Mexican. They're tacos. You know what I'm saying? There's no fucking Mexican food especially authentic Mexican food anywhere around there. Imagine that. And yeah, there's one place in town, but it's rough. You know what I'm saying? It's sin sabor. There's no flavor. (laughs) And, um, and, uh, I mean, I think almost every day for the first like month of doing the taco shop, I was totally prepared for somebody to have some kind of Trumpy thing to say or something about Mexicans or something about Mexican food, even offhand, you know, even like off Mm -hmm. the cuff never happened. Never once, man. Not a single thing. Not even like, um, not even like grandma racism where they don't even know they're being racist. It was just like, no, people were just super appreciative. The food was really good, so you know. So let me let me ask a question about that. Uh, yes, please. Stop I grew me. up, you know, in Washington <laughs> State, small small towns, Washington State. I never sensed any racism there. Like any like real racism. It would have shocked and horrified me, you know? Right. Um, not that I lived in a crazy diverse town, obviously not. It's like like logging towns, you know, so it's right. pretty, pretty white. But there was just, you know, little teeny bits of diversity and everyone was so chill with each other. It literally was right. like as if literally there was no such thing as racism in these communities that I lived in. 
Unless I was, I was young, so maybe I was just completely oblivious. I, I don't think so, because I would have been shocked and horrified by, like, you know, someone being judged was there, just by their was skin. There, was there racism in, like, uh, in culture at the time? Was it, like, I mean, obviously there's always racism in culture, but what I mean is explicitly over the last 10 years there's been a lot, like, dog whistling, you know, in the media that I think that we've been able to see, you know? You know, <clears throat> you, you know pro- probably so. Uh, th- this was just me, you know, be- being young and just like embracing the whole Martin Luther King thing of, you know, don't right. judge someone by the color of their skin, the content of their character that like, I, I was just like fed that at a young age. And it, mm-hmm. it's, the, here's the thing. That's a simple concept. Even a child can understand that. Right. 100%. I think that you have to come from a place where there's ingrained culture that subverts that, that you kind of like don't get that and have to wrap your mind around mm-hmm. it or something. Mm-hmm. This is kind of mm-hmm. my question to you. Just just take, taking that my, let's let's just say that my uh, my experience was authentic and I wasn't totally missing much. Um, sure. my, my premise is that I think that a lot of like West Coast towns, even small, very red towns, really aren't that racist in the way that you would in like the deep South, like get mm. some tiki torch, you, you know, white separatist. <laughs> type racism <laughs> happening. Um, it, I, I know that, you know, Montana is a little bit of its own thing. Um, sure. But, like, is is there, is, are there, like, enclaves of racism there? I know for a fact there is in Idaho. Idaho is, like, kind of famous for having, like, a white separatist, you, you know, groups. But Montana, like, uh, is it more like Washington, more like the West Coast thing? Or, or do you think that it has, like, a dark, dark place? I never experienced anything, and I was constantly on guard for it. I would have picked it up if I would have smelled. I'm like a shark to that shit, dude. Like, I would have smelled that blood from a ways back. A couple times, somebody will say something where you're like, ah, why don't you pedal that back? But they're not. It's There's, yeah, definitely no current of, like, overt, of overt anything, really. I mean, it's pretty libertarian-flavored out yeah. there. So I think it's pretty live and let live. But then again, look. Here's the thing I was kind of ruminating on as you're saying this is like, it, you know, I think it may be hard to construct racist narratives if you don't live near any black people. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? If there's like one black person in your town or one gay dude in your town or four Mexicans in your town, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like you're only around maybe if you catch it from the media, but then it would be hard to get to give yourself like to select examples from your experience to prove that. Whereas like if you're in a if you're in a place like Atlanta or something like that, like it's no no racial culture is a monolith. There's assholes and there's cool people. Oh yeah. There's wild totally. there's wild people and there's chill people. There's disrespectful you know, et cetera, et cetera. And so it's like if you were prone to being racist, you could find any example from any group and be like, see, that's exactly how they are. But they're in totally, Montana it's like totally right. Yeah, in Montana, there's there's one black dude in the town, and he's cool as fuck. <laughs> you know I mean? Can I uh, can I tell you uh, this is a totally tangential, but but yeah, I just yeah. saw this today. So there's a Bay Area company that that's coming out with a program or is is funding for it or something. I don't think it's available yet. That will you know what you you call it, like any sort of a call center like Verizon or anybody. You know uh-huh. you get somebody all the way across the world, um, mm-hmm. and they don't speak like the world's greatest English. Which, sure. Why would they? It's like their second or third language, you know. Oh. Uh, like this, this program supposedly is going to make it so that they sound like a white American. 
Really? And clearly this there's this is like problematic, you know, at its core. But my my, my first thought was, okay, my uh my my uh father-in-law um ends up on these call center calls all the time just because he's okay. he's old school, doesn't know how to use email, so he'll call all the time for any issue. And right. uh every time he gets off the phone, he always like either mocks or says something degrading about the person who oh. and I didn't understand her and blah 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 and will like mock her voice, you know? And it's like it is like it, it is literally the only consistent, you know, racism or whatever you want to call that that I experience on a day to day basis. Right. And I'm just kind of thinking, like, if this were the thing, God, I won't have to deal with him like <laughs> being like That's like an cool. asshole or a racist like every time he gets off the phone. <laughs> Oh, I don't know. What are your thoughts said, on that? She said her name was Sally from Alabama, but her she was from Kuala Lumpur, Arkansas. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what do you What do you think about that? Is that something that uh, you're comfortable with, or? <laughs> yeah, I think that's fine. I mean, at the end of the day, like you know, it would be nice. I don't know. That's such a complicated uh, can of worms to open because, like, yeah. you know, you should. If you're an American company, you should pay Americans good wages to do the jobs for your company. Like that's that the hard like, issue, right? That yeah. should be like the law. You know what I'm saying? That's the like, hard issue. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You shouldn't be hiring people. But then again, you look at like uh, the other, the flip side of that is like you know these people are making money, and they're probably in a place where making money is pretty tough, and mm-hmm. getting them that money is probably pretty important. And I Some too. Those jobs, you know, they're probably not too bad. Or they being yelled at by you know. Boomer in white dudes. I don't in know. comparison to the to the manual labor jobs or the right. hustling jobs that are available in some of these places, like yeah, I think listening to angry white people was probably like pretty chill. <laughs> you know right. what I'm saying? Uh, changing their voices to make them sound like white Americans. I mean, I, I feel like um, I feel like God. It's like an evil out. genius move or something, right? I, it, it kind of is, but then I feel like it's like I wish I could think of a, a sharp analogy for this, but it feels like um, I don't know the guy that made like the sickest horse carriage right before the car came out. Oh, <laughs> you know I mean? oh like, my God! Right, this horse carriage is fucking tricked out. We're gonna sell a million of these fucking things, and the car comes out like two years later. He's like, "Fuck!" Oh, <laughs> you know? that's, like, that's so funny. I'm like, I'm like, damn fool, like AI is like five years away from fucking just being intelligent enough to feel like old white people questions, dude. <laughs> no, like right now you can be on the phone with an AI and not even know it sometimes. I've, I've, I've had that experience before, like, is this a person or not? Sometimes you oh, just I've don't know, you know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, well, uh, sorry, back to Montana. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to jump into a little bit of the, like, so you have told me before, and this is interesting to me, I think you said this on this podcast, that when you talk to someone who's like just a mega Trumper or just mega hard right out there, mm-hmm. one of the interesting things is that they just don't ever see any negative news about Trump. It's not right. like they, they ignore it or they argue against it. They just are oblivious to it, right? Totally. Tell, tell me a little bit about that, because that to me is kind of fascinating. Oh man, it's so crazy. The first time I, because living in California, it's uh, it's nuts, right? Like Trump is Satan. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like Trump is Baphomet. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. When you live in California, <laughs> and uh, and you never hear anything good about him, and so you get enraged. You know what I'm saying? And let me preface this by saying I, I fucking hate that guy. Oh but, me too. I know. Uh, 
<laughs> I will but, say nice things about him, though. I, I I give myself a teeny bit of credit every now see, and then, and I'm every saying. now and then he's genuinely fucking funny, which I appreciate. But aside oh. from that, I loathe him. He should never be anywhere near anything <laughs> remotely like a public office. But yes. watch, just side note, you gotta watch uh, the Shane Gillis bit on Trump uh, at the first debate, calling Ted Cruz's wife a dog. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, he was like, we weren't ready for for debate at that level. Like everybody's like, nope. I'm 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 Jeff Jeffries, and I stand for religion. And Trump's like, you're a fag, <laughs> and your wife looks like a dog. <laughs> you know, you got a dog wife. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we were oh, ready. For man. That. Oh my god, we and we the news ready. was so stoked to report on all of that. Right, oh, man. But yeah, so that was the thing that I noticed. Right, so I went so. You know, I'm here. I'm riled up. I'm like, oh, fuck this guy. Fuck this guy. And, and it's like this hatred that can only be built on like a character, because if you you can't hate a person that much, you can hate a you can hate a character that much. But like the just the broiling hatred that you feel when somebody is characterized, caricaturized, caricaturized, uh, you can hate them so much because the things that are prominent about them stick out so much. Mm -hmm. But then I went to Montana for the first time and I heard people, and I wish I could bring out specific examples because obviously they're scant, but, um, there was just stuff where I was noticing, you know, I watched the news and they'd be like, yeah, Trump did this cool thing today. And I'm like, are you sure? And I'd look it up and be like, <laughs> it'd be like, Oh no, no, that was, that was chill. You know, like that, mm -hmm. there wasn't anything particularly evil about that. And it's like you got to figure in four years of being president, if you there, you just don't even actually have the ability to do evil things all day, every day. You got to yeah. like you have to administrate the, the, the country in a certain way and keep certain things rolling. And like, yeah, he's done a ton of evil stuff. But what I noticed is that they're both in it's a crazy bubble in California where you just hear that this dude is fucking the Antichrist. And so you hate him so much. <laughs> but in a weird way, I don't think you do. I think you just hate the idea of him. And it doesn't give you a wholeness of disliking the person because you don't actually know who they are. You don't know anything good about them. And in the same sense, you know, you go to Montana and the news cycle there is so obsessed with making him look not like good, you know, and downplaying the stuff that he, or not even talking about the stuff that he, he's fucking up. Like those people are like, they don't hear. I mean, in California, you're like, how could you not fucking hate this guy? And they're and you <laughs> go there and you're and you're like, oh, you didn't hear about any of this stuff. And if you bring it up, people will be like, nah, that's that's not real. And I'm like, nah, that's that's real. Like that fucking happened, bro. You know? Yeah, I mean? there's like media diet and also media literacy because sometimes. Um, you know, the media diet is just consuming content that skews the narrative so hard and media literacy is not being able to like see bullshit where bullshit right. exists and it's all over right. the entire political spectrum. Um, mm -hmm. you know, kind of ideally everyone would just consume more content and, you know, just every year do a refresher course on, on media literacy, right? I, I feel like you, you, you have to work at it. It's not like this is kind of a problem, but it's also I get it because everyone's like this. Uh, media, like consuming media, including like political media, um, it's entertainment. 
you know? It's just like the thing mm-hmm. you do. You know, I, I watch YouTube videos while gosh, these days as I work from home, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's just like my media diet. And, you know, I'll just like click on videos as they come up, that, that sort of a thing. Um, it's entertainment, you know? And maybe I will watch videos that will like radicalize me in, in some way or another or, or like really skew my view of a certain a specific topic. I wasn't seeking to be radicalized or to have a, a, a crazy narrative on a view. I was just like sitting there eating my lunch, trying to be entertained for mm-hmm. 30 minutes before I go back to work. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. I do think that that's everybody. And, you know, there's a lot to be said about this. I think that it's interesting that CNN and a couple of other places like that are trying to do this pivot where they're like really trying hard to say, we're not just going to speak to a liberal audience. We want to speak to mm-hmm. all people. I think that that's like a step in the right direction. I don't think mm-hmm. it's going to work, but like, mm-hmm. I, I do just like imagine <laughs> a world where people took it upon themselves to realize that, yeah, this is entertainment, but you know, you should do a little bit of work yourself to like expand your media diet and have a little like media literacy training. <laughs> That's the I only way so. that we can ever improve this. I think like one last thought is like right now we're in the middle of the uh, the Russia Ukraine crisis like we talked about the other week. Right, well, right. I mean, like Think about how good we have it here. In Russia, it is so hard to really get any news about what's mm-hmm. really happening in Ukraine and what the world really thinks of this war because like, the, there's a whole entire political world that's like trying to like shelter you from the truth. In right. America, oh my God, that, that doesn't exist. The truth is not being sheltered from you, at least like not really actively by the government you know like you can find the truth by a couple of different being and it's just like just try just a teeny bit because like quote unquote the truth or or like other narratives let's just say it are there you know imagine if we were just being fed one narrative and how awful that would be well that's not the case so i think that we should we should try a little bit harder so it like grand scheme i know that we kind of like want to not judge the people in montana or wherever about like having this view of trump that i think is kind of mm-hmm. divorced from reality but like i do think it's a little bit just a sad story it's just a, it, it is sad that there is so much media out there some of which is good some of which is bad but to only get one channel of it is 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 sad i think yeah man i mean i think one of the biggest i've talked about this before is i think one of the biggest factors in that is that people that are in the boomer generation or even the gen x generation are coming from a time where media was extremely filtered and you didn't you didn't really have very many places to go you know you were a hamster in a cage with a little fucking little bottle you know what i'm saying and they're that's how they're used to getting it they're used to getting it from their friends and from a newspaper and from a tv channel maybe two or three. And I think that to try to get somebody, I mean, you have to be committed as like a project in your life. If you didn't grow up with like a diversity of media sources, you have to be, you have to take it as a project upon yourself to educate yourself on how to sift through 25 different media sources to find what looks to be true. And then even then you have to be kind of like an educated person because you have to have a mind for doing research in a methodical or at least a semi-scholastic way. Like you don't have to, but it helps so much, man. And there, there's a huge percentage of the country that A, just they never made it out of high school, man. 
Yeah. You know, a lot of rural America is not college educated, and that doesn't mean they're not smart, but it does mean that it's going to be more challenging for them to develop media literacy because media literacy has a scholastic kind of uh, a, a scholastic kind of um, approach to it where you have to be able to do research and you have to kind of have a sense for what is being reinforced over and over again and where this where it's coming from you know what i mean stuff like that and that's not yeah. intuitive you know it's not an intuitive it's not an intuitive thing the intuitive thing for anybody that's over 40 is to turn on a channel and be like <clears throat> does this feel true to me or not but the problem is and it's it's, it's on, made to feel true to them they make that's it that's exactly what i'm saying yeah. is that yeah like maybe 30 or 40 years ago it was you know, maybe a station would have a, a small group of people get together and be like, hey, how do we present this news to try to strike a certain audience? Now you've got scientists, you know, this is a McDonald's cheeseburger, man. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? This is this is genetically engineered news that is that is built molecule by molecule to to incite and activate the pathways that are going to make it penetrate you mm -hmm. you know what i mean and so it's just a totally different animal especially if you're watching news on television man and like so you know, i'm kind of curious because of that again in montana um rural america mm -hmm. what are the, some of the issues that these people care about mm. i i think that like uh i mean you know, this is this is one interesting thing I heard today was that, you know, talking about immigration, <clears throat> um, Republicans say that America is full and uh, Democrats say that cities are full. This this is kind of like a funny divide that that exists. Right. Um, you know, there's a lot of complicated issues out there. My assessment is that immigration and uh, goofy things like gas prices and maybe abortion and crime. A couple, couple of things like that are probably high on the list of uh, Republicans. Um, mm -hmm. What's kind of like your experience of, of issues that people care about, maybe gun rights? Um, did that come up at all yeah. when you were? You yeah, know, yeah, gun there? rights comes up a lot. I mean, because okay. one of the things that like the the stereotypical Californian that moves to Montana one of the reasons why they're despised is because they have weird views on I mean, weird for me, but like it is weird to go from California, a place where it's difficult to get a gun and there's a lot of police mm -hmm. to a place where it's very easy to get a gun. People do it for fun and there's not a lot of police. You know what I mean? And I mean, and and there's a lot of hunting and such. But people come to, from California with with liberal gun views, like, well, why do we? Why does everybody out here need guns? I'm like, why why are you asking that question? You just moved to Montana, you know, like move to a liberal rural place. They exist. You know what I'm saying? You can find that. But like, don't go there and be like, well, where I'm from. I'm like, well, nobody gives a fuck where you're from, dude. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and that is that's a huge issue out there that Montana specifically is dealing with, probably because of that show Yellowstone, where mm. like hella people fucking saw that show and were like, oh my god, it's so beautiful out there, honey, and it just seems so. The people are so rugged and, and, and individualistic. You know what I mean? And like, everybody wanted to move out there, but 
people get frustrated in Montana with people coming from the outside with a non-integrationist attitude where they want the same thing that they had where they're from and they want it there too. And that mm-hmm. extends to all kinds of shit, like gun rights. It extends to developments and amenities. It, I mean, look, dude, there's a um, there's a Facebook group in Ennis. It's called Ask Ennis, right? And people post on it every day, all the time. It's like the the way that everybody communicates there, mm. seriously. And uh, a couple times, man, somebody from somewhere else will will post something in a good meaning way that would totally fly in a city. And just get flamed, bro. Talking like a hundred comments deep of people being like, fuck you, go back to where you came from. Oh, a good Jesus. example is is this. So there's a little beach at the lake, little teeny, teeny, tiny beach at the, the lake in Ennis. There's a big lake, small beach. Everybody knows where it is. Everybody's been going to that little beach forever. This lady comes from probably California or somewhere where the beaches are fucking nice. You know what I'm saying? And she's like, yeah, I just noticed that the beach is kind of crummy. And like, she's kind of <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm reading it and I'm just like, oh, my God, <laughs> what are the comments going to be like? She's like, yeah, the beach is kind of crummy. And like, there's not a lot of sand. And she's like, and I'm wondering, you know, if, 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 can we organize like a like a cleanup day once a month and then maybe like truck in some like fresh sand <laughs> and i'm like i get it you know what i'm saying it's, totally. a, it's actually a good nature a cleanup day sounds like a great idea oh yeah man right like cleanup day and like oh dude fresh sand on the beach like who doesn't like fresh sand on the beach the problem is how does that read right so everybody in the comments is like my kids have been going there to that same beach for 25 years never had a complaint you know and if you got if you want to go if you want to change the way this place is then go back somewhere else and that is like the energy there where people are like let's go back to this rural urban divide situation people fucking move to the country because they want the American life the way that it was sold to Americans for the last hundred years. It doesn't actually exist, but they think it does, <laughs> and they want it to. You know what I mean? They want to be in a small community where people know and trust each other. They want to be in a place that doesn't change very fast. I right. want to get down to like the real crux of the urban-rural divide. I think that might be one of the things that is like at the nucleus of that of the tension where it's like people in cities are like things change every day, man. The the, yeah. the longest cycle that you experience is rent. 30 days. Right. You know, rent is the longest like actual cycle. Everything else cycles by the day, by the hour, by the week, you know. Nothing cycles in a yearly way in a city. Get out to the country, you know, things grow, things die. You're in a different environment. The cycles lengthen. You know, you're mm-hmm. looking at a couple of a couple of years to develop a piece of property, maybe five, ten years to get, you know, a house built and to get a property with a well that has a little farm on it and stuff. People are thinking at different time scales. The problem is the world is not moving like that. It doesn't matter where you live. The, the world's moving fast, brother. Yeah, I think that you hit it right on, like, nail on the head, which is that, I mean, living in the country is a lifestyle. And mm-hmm. in a sense, uh, I think this is true, it's a more of a fragile lifestyle than living in a city. Because, oh, again, in, in a yeah. city, 
like I, I feel that like chaos is totally baked in a little bit of chaos totally baked mm-hmm. in whereas i think in the country um any element of chaos is, is very destabilizing very destabilizing and yeah. it's, it's kind of like earth shaking to yeah. I mean, because i mean <clears throat> you know i i live in this little town uh, montesano washington for a number of years when i was a child um mm-hmm. and the the the, the People for generations, generations, were going to the same church, hunting uh, in the same forests, fishing the same right. creeks, and right. you, you know, literally, it goes back for you know decades and decades and decades. And people expect that their children will also have those same experiences. Right, right. Nobody in a city has that mentality. Everyone is kind of like no. a little transient. Even if you're, even if you like own a home in a city, I think that you yes. still. Then you're like, like an urbanist and a globalist, and you're like, maybe I'll ditch this place for New York someday. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's a little bit of that, and I think that like you feel a sense of ownership in your community as a collective, rather than mm-hmm. like this is my slice of America, brah. Yeah. Know? I, I think that like that literally encapsulates it, and for better or worse, that is I think why when you go to a small town you feel like you're going back to the past to some degree. Right. And I think that it's going to be interesting, you know, technology and just a, a lot of things in culture are speeding up right now mm-hmm. as they have been since like yeah. the advent of the internet, um, and. Like, I think that that divide is only going to become more and more pronounced uh, as, you know, technology goes forward. And yeah. I, I think that, like, this is just one last note, uh, you know, about this is that I do think that a lot of that country living stuff, there's a reason why it's stable, because it's it's basic, you know, yeah. And and I think that that's that's like it it doesn't need to change in a sense. Do you know what I mean? I, I think that yeah. it does kind of like the negative side is it does hold back the rest of the country politically, you know. But like yeah. you don't have to own an iPhone, you know. You don't have to have an email address. You don't, you don't have to, you know. And you your do. life is still totally meaningful and wonderful and rich on. You know, by reading Dostoevsky and Shakespeare, you have a good life, you know, yeah. or whatever, you know, whatever the equivalent of that yeah. is, hunting and having a great garden in your backyard, great right. life. Uh, but the thing is that, you know, we're going to be doing different shit as, as people, and that different shit is going to shape our priorities and shape our like our global standing you know as a country mm-hmm. versus other countries i don't know there, there's there's a lot going on there but i like as a liberal in a city i don't necessarily i don't have an agenda to disrupt the lifestyle in in a, in a country that town that's what i'm saying you know what I, mean? I don't have but, an agenda to actively <laughs> disrupt that even if i were to move to that town i would be that person commenting shit that would make people angry i th- that would not be my intention you know <laughs> Yeah, man. No, I think that you nailed into something, too, that is, is something I kind of wanted to at least touch on, which is that, you you know, I think that what you're saying with the idea that life should be simple, it should be able to stay simple, and you don't need an iPhone or an email address, that's what people think. But mm. they're being confronted with the reality 
that they do fucking need an email address and they do fucking need an iPhone because there's all kinds of things that that you don't get to experience if you don't have those things. (laughs) And no matter how much you love ranching cattle, when you watch all the other kids playing with Pokemon cards, eventually you're going to want a couple Pokemon cards, man. Like it's just really hard to convince yourself that you're happy with simplicity when everything is becoming more complex and people seem very interested in it. And I think that that's one of the fundamental tensions that's happening in country life right now, where people are trying to, they're in this contact zone between being like, things need to stay the same. I'd like to just be in a mostly white, mostly straight community. I'd like to feel safe in that. I'd like to be able to fucking call somebody a tranny every once in a while and not get fucking canceled or whatever the fuck, you know what I mean? Just live an old school style of life where I'm not super accountable to the world at large. I'm more (laughs) accountable to the people in my social circle. But that reality is shrinking and disappearing like as we speak, man, like every second that passes, you're more you're more socially accountable to the whole than you are to any small group of people. Unless you live in a town of like 50 people, Mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? And I think that one of I guess even in a town of 50 people, if you want to stay connected to your children, you do need that iPhone because your your kids are going to be like. I can't talk to you if you don't have an email address and an iPhone right. where I can right. text you. You know, like I literally like, can't I talk. I'm never going to see you. <laughs> yeah, 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 man. But I think that the that what's happening too is that the Republican narrative is capitalizing on that fear, where mm-hmm. people are 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 in a in a corner. They're being backed into a corner in a certain way, where they're like, "Well, I want to hold on to this style of living." And the world is like, yeah, man, you can't. You actually can't. Like, you can try, but then you'll be kind of on the outside of everything. Whereas people 50 years ago that were living a rural lifestyle, I think they felt integral. I think they felt integral to the fabric Mm -hmm. of, of American society. And I think now they're starting to feel exiled. American society if they want to hold on to more simplistic ways of being and there's a fear uh, this is one of the I mean I don't know how much time you have today but this is something that I do feel really com- compelled to speak on is that there is a fearfulness in the country that there also isn't a city they just come in different flavors mm-hmm. but there's a fearfulness there that comes in a very specific flavor and it's the fear of change and mm-hmm. I think that for many, many years, people were able to live in a small place and be like, but it's not really changing here. And in a place like Ennis, it's changing fast. It's mm. really changing hard and it's changing fast. And the people who came there to live uh, a more static, more simple version of life are becoming terrified. And you can see it in their faces. You can feel it in their energy. And it's not is that real or is that just like a, a narrative they're embodying from Fox News? You know, it's real. No, it's totally okay. real. I mean, house prices have gone up two hundred fifty, three hundred thousand dollars in the oh, last wow. three years. That's you know, crazy. Home prices wow. have doubled in three years. Um, there's that makes no sense. People. I mean, that's crazy out out there. I, yeah, it's a little bit of a bubble, Montana. Yeah. You know, people are moving there more than like tennessee you know what i mean or arkansas or some other like rural place or something like that you know it's it's romanticized in the culture right now um but yeah i mean there's a fear fearfulness that's being capitalized on by news media that is real and does exist and part (laughs) of it does have to do with like trans people you know and being like like i don't get it 
And it's like, yeah, you don't actually have that luxury anymore. You know, like I get that you don't fucking want to get it. But you don't want to stretch your mind around like, you know, alternate genders or it's like, but you're going to if that's as far as you can stretch your fucking brain, you're fucked in 20 years, man. Wait till the next thing comes out. You know what I'm saying? Like there's just a lot of stuff that's impinging upon people's desire to remain static where they're <laughs> being expected to be aware of the fucking diverse states of human existence that you used to be able to go to a small town to escape you know i don't really want to know how black people live i don't really give a fuck about gay people or trans people i don't feel like i should have to be aware of these people so i'm going to go to a place where they don't exist for me and so i do think small town they do now yeah, yeah I, I I do think having grown up in a small town, I, I think it's a little unfair to say people move to those towns to have that experience. I think that sure. like people like the lifestyle of the small town and so they end up there yeah, and yeah. you get a job there, you know, and maybe maybe then you get you, you go to the church and you just kind of like start getting just, you know, the anti-progressive narratives kind of like in, in your vocabulary, let's say. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I mean. You know, I my family didn't certainly didn't move to like small towns because we wanted to get away from something. My my parents were from Portland, and uh, my dad just got a job, you know, in in Aberdeen, Washington. Oh yeah, okay. You know, I mean that's that's, I think for a lot of people that's how it goes, and that's who's there. You know, in in all these small towns, at one point, at one point, you don't have to go back that far really. There was an industry, and it was like the most ambitious people who were populating these places because like this is where the coal mining job was this is right, where the forestry right. job was this you know, you know i mean this is where the, the cannery was you know and these were like the young men who were like out to strike it rich they weren't mm. like the, the 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 dumbbell hicks you know of the world they were sure. like the go-getters and there's a lot of lore about this up in uh, the northwest about all the, the early loggers you know because they were like the the, the ultra badasses it's one of the like most dangerous jobs that's ever existed and they mm-hmm. were like like badasses right Felling, you know, the biggest trees in the world and all this type of thing and like dying all the time. Um, Eco monsters. It, yeah, it's it's been it's been, you know, let's just say this narrative is all correct. It's it started with that. That's how these small towns began. Um, right. And they've had this like weird, you know, this this is a lot of places in America, but they had this like weird 50 to 100 year kind of like bliss where everyone got a cheap yeah. home, like everybody, yep. like a cheap home yep. that was big, you know, and everybody you expected that. You had your two or three car garage, you had your yeah. two or three kids, you went to the same yeah. church. It, that like ingrained itself. But like, I don't think that we're equivalent necessarily to a small town in the UK that's been there for 800 years. <laughs> you know what I mean? our, yeah. town, our small town cultures is odd a little bit. It's very weird. It pretends like it's been there forever, but it totally hasn't. Well, and I think technology might have destroyed a lot of that, too, because it's like one of the things I noticed that it's like you used to live in a small town. There wasn't very many ways to be entertained. You had to go to the movie theater, the one movie theater. You had to go to the one play. You had to go to the rodeo to even be entertained at all. And now just to throw it out there, like a lot of the entertainment in my town was like high school theater. You know what I mean? There was no like community, like high school school high school football games were huge. Mm -hmm. You know, high school. And now you don't actually need that to be entertained. You can stay at home on your phone or on your TV. Yeah, and I think that's another part of it where that makes that is encouraging a fearfulness in, in in a small town like Ennis is that there isn't actually any 
responsibility to be social anymore. You mm. know what I mean? Oh, like, damn, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Because we talk you about that in terms of like millennials in cities, but you're right. I didn't think about that in terms of like a small town community. Oh, old people are on the fucking uh, media to really s- just as hard as anybody. You know what I mean? Like, they're not actually out, like, walking around, chatting with people, fucking shit. Maybe sometimes, but they're also on Facebook. They're also watching a lot of television, you know? And they're also staying home a lot, too. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think that there's just... You're probably right. I mean, I think maybe I was a little hasty in constructing a narrative that this is why people go to those places. I think you're right. I think people probably are in these places and fall into certain patterns that are just kind of naturalistic to the environment around them. But I just do, I do see there's a heightened anxiety Mm -hmm. whenever I go to a small place now where it feels like they're very aware that the, that the, the, the American dream that they've been either sold pursuing or bought is not, is changing pretty rapidly you know what i mean that that two hundred thousand dollars that they save for retirement probably isn't gonna last 30 years right you know what i'm saying and for people like me younger people we're like well shit bro i'll fucking probably hustle to the day i die you know right. what i mean yeah. like there is no fucking uh golden parachute for me and mm-hmm. i kind of know that unless i fucking get rich somehow yeah there's we've always no, been like, told there's no retirement for our generation i remember being no very young yeah. being told there's that no pension, yeah. you know what yeah. i mean and for us it's a given but i think for most people over 40 they're like damn this is the crumbling of a real slice of what i signed up for you know uh last question sure so everything i've read recently um is that you know the the divide in america especially like the urban rural divide is kind of a lot of times how this is or can be couched um, worse than ever, you know, uh, what do you think is going to happen in the next, you know, near future five or 10 years or longer? What, what do you like play this out a little bit as you mm. see it? Do you, do you think that this is going to like, as they say, tear America apart? Is there going to be like uh, some sort of an uprising of like the small town people with 50 million guns a piece, mm. you know, and their kids have 20 million guns a piece? Uh, are, are they going like, uh, is, is this going to cause any sort of chaos or is this just going to like kind of mellow out? This is just like how this is the new normal of like, yeah, there's an urban rural divide and it's super tentious, but like we just yell at each other on Facebook. What, what, do, you, what do you think is, is going to happen? Bro, it depends greatly on our politicians. It okay. depends greatly on our politics, I think. Because uh, you could get somebody that's a demagogue like Trump who gets people really fired up. Mm-hmm. And I think people, uh, one of the biggest reasons that he resonated with people in the country is because he spoke plainly. He mm-hmm. spoke plainly. And it didn't matter what he was saying. People were like, I can understand it. I don't need to stretch myself to understand what I don't, I get this guy. And I don't think you can say that with Obama. You know, I don't think you can say that with any politician that we've had. I think most of the Republican politicians we've had in the last 20 years, George Bush uh, Jr., you know what I mean? Like, he was like, you get, you got him, you know? He's yeah, plainly. he did, yeah. And so if we can see more Democratic politicians and more politicians in general understanding that it's not an issues game, that it's a, it's a fucking linguistics game, that mm-hmm. all you need to do in order to uh, 
get these people to be on your team and to understand you is to speak plainly to them and not be covering your tracks every time you speak to give yourself an out or whatever or be overly academic in the way that you approach people in the country i think the one of the big reasons we see people so angry and getting into nationalist politics and stuff like that is because democrats really have a problem with over uh, with being verbose about what they're trying to say to people, it's not direct, effective message. Have you seen those uh, speeches by uh, Kamala Harris lately, where the, she's uh, nonstop mocked online? It's 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 all over Twitter. It was yesterday, and it is occasionally <laughs> where but, yeah, there's that too. Well, where she will like be, be talking, but she she will say like three minutes of utter like nothing but buzzwords, and it like it makes no sense. And it's, it's, it's like, gross, like all you have to do is one, not say any of that. And then two, just get to the yeah. point and say something, you know, Dude, you just gotta be, it's so too. goddamn simple. And like, it's she's, she's the worst I've ever seen the worst I, any oh, politician ever. Crazy. I don't understand it. And that's she used to be insane. like an okay. Senator is so bizarre to me. Like she would, I don't know if she resonated when she was a Senator and, and talking and stuff like that. God, not, not in her current role. I mean, Biden's doing an okay job of it, right? Dude, like Biden, Biden's doing the plain like speed thing and he's, yeah, he's, he's just old as fuck. I don't yeah. think he has the ability to compose like fucking crazy. You know what I mean? Like maybe he does. I'm maybe being an asshole, but he's chill. He's chill. Yeah. He's just like an old guy. He's just trying to fucking. Dude, that's why he him. won. I'd say, you know, in large I part, so I think too. that it's his style of speaking, I think completely to your point. Me too, man. So I think, it, you know, if you play this out 10 years and then we get mm-hmm. a bunch of firebrand people who are good and who understand the culture of, of rural America to be a place where if you speak simply and directly, they'll fucking get on board with what you're saying because nobody else is. If the whole mm-hmm. political landscape changes where people are more acceptable, I like, I, I like Pete Buttigieg. He's a straight shooter. He'll be like, nah, fuck you. You know, mm-hmm. I mean? like that's what Democrats need. Democrats need Trump's. You know, we need people that'll sh- that'll show up and be like, oh, fuck you. Your, your opinion is bullshit. Well, and you know it, mm-hmm. you know, instead of being instead of being like, well, if you take a look at the issue in the statistics and it's like you can't nobody gives a fuck, dude. You know, nobody <laughs> actually cares about that shit anymore, except for people who are already on your side. So if everything changes and people are more able to speak to rural America in language that they can I don't want to say understand because they understand everything just fine, but language that they vibe with, mm-hmm. then I think that resonates that, with them. Yeah, that resonates. Then we become we come back to where we were maybe 25 years ago, where there's political discourse on both sides that seems pretty reasonable. There's people at the extreme edges, but for the most part, people are talking about the same things in the same language. If we continue to have people that are just outlandish Republicans, but they speak simply and just obviously outlandish Democrats too, but they can't manage to get their message straight. We're going to have a real fucking problem, dude. We're going to have a real fucking problem. Yeah, I think you're completely right about the politicians. I would only just add, you know, the, the note of uh, political pundits to, you know, the Tucker Carlson's or whoever. Bro. A lot of those guys, if they really wanted to, they could stir up a mob tonight. You know, um, 100%. get your guns and go to X spot and we're having a rally and blah, 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 blah. And the liberal Democrats are taking away your freedoms. It's like yeah. a couple of sentences like that out of the wrong person's mouth could could yeah. really set things over an edge. Um, 
Also, I don't know. Yeah. Fucking people be going away for 10, 15 years for going to that fucking riot, dude. Yeah. You know, I'd be seeing people get locked up, brother. Dude, Man, well, just on, on Twitter yesterday. It's about fucking rolling out to the Capitol <laughs> again. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, uh, yesterday on Twitter, I was having a little bit of a back and forth with a guy who was uh, saying that um, uh, Biden is the real fascist because, and he had this like little list of reasons, like he's raiding his political opponents and he is uh, uh, locking up uh, anyone who protests. It's like, okay, he's like, not even him, it's the Justice Department, but like, like raiding his political, okay, like the FBI was taking stolen top secret documents from Trump's house and like the, the the protesters were trying to stop forcefully a, the transfer of power, like in a democracy, like capital sin, you know. Uh, I don't know, but like to, to to frame it like that to me was just kind of like, oh, yep, you you are one of those people who lives in a completely alternate reality. You're probably yeah. completely unreachable. And thanks a lot, Tucker Carlson and everybody else who like fed you this bizarre ass narrative not that i have all my narratives right i'm sure i completely don't but i mean goddamn. Totally. <laughs> let me say this last piece man let me this the only thing i thank you so much for letting me take the uh the steering wheel on this one because i, I have a lot of opinions about this stuff let me <laughs> say this i said this on one of our past podcasts but i think it bears repeating the biggest problem between people in cities and people in the country is the same problem the same exact problem they're, they think they understand how the other side of people need to govern and live. And they're mm-hmm. totally yeah. different. They're yep. totally different. People in cities think that people in, in the country don't need guns and they need this and they don't need this. And they don't need this. And that's why people are hated when they come to the countryside from a city because they take that shit with them. Meanwhile, people in fucking in, in the country think that they no, I understand how homelessness works in cities. They're yeah. pissed off about Black Lives Matter protests. Meanwhile, there's one black person in town. You know what I'm saying? And there's like there has to be the the middle ground that actually heals people up is cultural relativism on both mm-hmm. sides. And yeah. liberals think they've got that licked. They're like, no, nah, they I, don't. I though. Yeah. No, I, I understand. They don't understand small town people. Now, I understand, you know, I get this, except for those fucking hick Republicans. I'm like, no, yeah. fuck that, bro. You need to understand that until you live in a place, you mm-hmm. have no idea what those people need, how they need to run their city, or how they need to live their daily life. And the same goes for both sides. It's the exact same problem. And it makes so much of the anger and the animosity between the two. If people in cities were like, hey, man, we don't need guns here because there's enough of them. And we don't, and we have a gun violence problem, but you know what? That's just where we're at. We don't actually need to understand how you live. We just need to have some respect for it. Mm-hmm. And then if shit gets out of hand, I mean, like a, a white nationalist militia forms or something, obviously we need to go fucking talk about that. And on the other side, it's like Fox News, man, stop talking about the homelessness epidemic in San Francisco. I was there today. It looks like it did 15 years ago. It's not that much different, man. It's just kind of, it's a rugged city with a good climate where there's a lot of social services. You know, you don't have any fucking idea what San Francisco needs to do to change their shit. 
you know what I mean? You have to be, you got to peel back a little bit. And I got some ideas. <laughs> well, me too, bro. I Because <laughs> let's not say it's not a problem. It's, I think no, the it Fox is perspective on it is hilarious and dumb, but oh my exactly. God, like it's not like San Francisco is doing itself any favors here. No, no, it's insane. I mean, look, yeah, yeah. last, yeah, San Francisco, the whole like defund the police movement, like this is where my fucking Republican side kicks in. I'm like, Y'all are paying the price for that shit right now, man. Like, the cops are like, oh, you guys don't need us? All right, well, we'll just um, only deal with, like, fucking serious crimes. And just kind of when we feel like it. Same thing Mm -hmm. in Oakland right now. You know, they're like, theft? I don't know. Didn't seem like you guys really needed police that bad. So maybe you can just, your insurance will handle it. And it's, like, it's wild, bro. It's fucking wild to have a reduced police presence. Like, liberal people are fucking insane. Yeah. Like for that shit. I'm like, you have to reform the way that people are policing. You have to reform the police force. And like, you can't let people just do crazy shit and get away with it. But you also need a ton of police because people are fucking wild, dude. <laughs> yeah. It's a certain demographic of the public will rain Jeez. chaos on the rest of us if they're allowed to. Like, that's just, dude, just wait in line for the Bay Bridge one time and see how many people almost fucking kill you with their cars, man. <laughs> Cops. <laughs> 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 all right Shit, hey brother. thanks Devin. good talks oh, yeah, and uh man. let's yeah, uh talk again soon sounds good buddy